Hello and welcome to the Alliance Pro Wrestling Network Sunday special interview. Man, I am very excited today because it's not every day you get a legend on the show, much less getting a legend that comes back to the show for another visit. Today is one of those days. Very happy to welcome the legendary, not only the Russian nightmare, but he's the devil's nightmare, Nikita Koloff. Nikita, welcome back to the show, my friend. Hey, it's all. It's great to be with you. To all, all, all of the fans out there, great to be with you. Great to, great to have you. Great to have you. So I want to go back to the beginning because I've always wondered, uh, what, when you first met Ivan Koloff, what were your initial thoughts of Ivan Koloff? And uh, did you guys hit it off uh, immediately? You know, it, it, I, I, can, I can, I think back to the, the day we met in the hallways of Charlotte, North Carolina. And, you know, I, I, I didn't know who he was prior to that. And, and so, uh, you know, I, I think there was a, a real connection on, on that, that initial day. Um, and it would seem like, you know, as time went on, uh, we became, you know, the, just the best of friends. I mean, we'd end up rooming together on the road. Like we'd share a hotel room together and certainly travel and drive together. And, and, and later on, and, you know, um, became pretty instrumental in, in, in his life transformation uh, later on in, in his life, and then even had the opportunity, his wife Renee, uh, you know, when he passed away, went, went on home to heaven, had the privilege of, of being able to speak at, uh, at his graveside service. So, yeah, th that, initial, that initial meeting or introduction in June of 1984 went on to, to, to give, give us a long-time uh, friendship. So how important was was Ivan Koloff uh, to you and your success as Nikita Koloff? He was critical to my success. That's a great question. Really him and Don Cronoto both because, you know, the day I show up in Jim Crockett's office, I mean, for those who don't know, I, I have no, I have no, I had no amateur wrestling background. So I'd never been in a ring. Uh, professional I had zero professional training. Uh, Jim Crockett knew that the day I showed up. And, and what would happen is Ivan and Don, for the next two or three months, after my debut in Raleigh, North Carolina, the next night, on television with no, no, with no training, no background, I debut on television. But for the next two or three months, we get to the towns early, and they would bump and thump all over the ring before the matches, teaching me the mechanics of wrestling. And then on the way home, every night on the way home, we would talk about that old school psychology of wrestling, kind of a lost art, uh, on why they did what they did, when they did it, listening to the fans, how to tell a story. I learned all of that uh, in the ring after uh, – or if you want to say on-the-job training, right? Okay. Now, now, you mentioned that you used to travel everywhere with, with uh, Ivan Koloff. When you went babyface and you aligned yourself with Dusty Rose, did you miss traveling around with Ivan Koloff? Yeah, I mean, it was it, – because we, we – again, for those first two-plus years, uh, I mean, we, we traveled – we exclusively traveled together. And, and then, so it, it was definitely a change. Now, I look back for the next couple of years as the superpowers, Dusty and I traveled exclusively, pretty much exclusively together. 
And so it was great to get to, to know him on a, on a more personal level uh, outside of just being my boss and working with him in the ring and having a professional relationship with him. And so I'm thankful that I, I really got to travel with both. But, I, you know, Ivan and I never lost contact with each other. So we, you know, okay. as I mentioned, you know, we were, st were still friends, um, but it, it was just a, a, a different a different different timeline at that point. Okay. Now you made some um, appearances on the current NWA product. What was it like being back on NWA programming and what are your thoughts of the current product? Well, you know, I, I'm, I am, uh, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled that, that NWA power is, is, is out there. And, you know, Billy Corgan, um, you know, re reigniting the old NWA, uh, the name, uh, I can't, I mean, I'm NWA through and through. I mean, it's part of the reason I didn't go to the WWF or up to WWE uh, was because I've been loyal to the NWA all these years later. Uh, and, and just part of that is because, again, Jim Crockett gave me a break. And so, you know, looking back, I, I'm, I'm certain I passed up who knows how much money. But for me, it wasn't just all about, all about the money. Um, I'm loyal, loyal to a fault. And just want to be loyal to the NWA, and so you know to have have an appearance on there. Go down to to, to the the new studios on 14th and Techwood, okay. but it brings back real memories because the old studio where we wrestled was on 10th and Techwood, and so and this is a bigger studio. But just to walk in, it just brought back such a flood of memories. I I, I was like a kid in a candy store. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm taking pictures and. <laughs> And uh, I just thought it was so cool. Of course, the fans were so receptive on my return for that show. It was great. It was great. Well, when the Rock and Roll Express regained the NWA titles, did you consider giving Barry Darso a call and reuniting uh, with the records? <laughs> <laughs> Not so much giving Darso a call and reuniting, but you know, I've been working with a couple of guys that I christened as Koloff Dynasty, Alexander yeah. and Neil Koloff. And... Uh, in fact, they were debuting there at NWA Power. Uh, you might say not not for NWA Power, but for the opportunity to get a contract with NWA Power. Yeah. And uh, and so I, I thought it would make a cool story if the newest generation of Koloffs had the opportunity to win the belts from the Rock and Roll Express, since it was Ivan and Nikita Koloff, you know, who who. Uh, put put the belts around their waist. I thought that would have made for a great story, but apparently, apparently, uh, Gordy did not. Okay, there you go. You mentioned the call of, the the call of dynasty. Actually, they had a match with the Rock and Roll Express. I was watching on YouTube. You were uh, you were at ringside. Were you? Uh, did you have in your head? I, I'd like to maybe hit somebody with one more Russian sickle. Maybe take out Ricky Martin. Do, do you have one Russian sickle left in you? I thought about it, I, okay. but okay. I don't think Ricky would have appreciated. Robert was a Robert was not as receptive. Uh, Ricky <laughs> might have gone for it, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I think I still have one more sickle in me somewhere. But yeah, they, they and that was fun for Koloff Dynasty for for Alexander and Neil because it it brought a kind of full circle for them because you know they're younger guys and they grew up watching Ivan and Nikita Koloff 
against the rock and roll. So it was almost surreal for them to be in the ring with Rock and Roll Express there in Georgia and, and have that match, uh, you know, last year. Yeah, I was I was rooting for you. I was like, come on, Nikita, get in the ring, hit somebody with that sickle. I was like begging that, that <laughs> praying that would happen. But uh, but but tell me about the Call of Dynasty. How did they uh, how did they the team come together? And what are your what are your plans for the Call well, of Dynasty? So Neil, you know, Neil approached me uh, a couple of years ago, and, and again, he loved the Koloffs. And and he's got a he's got a story career of his own, I and mean, he's got about a 20-year career in wrestling, so he's he's not a newbie. And either it's Alexander. He's got about a 12-year career. And, and both of them have perfected their craft in wrestling. I, I'd watched Neil wrestle over the years, uh, you know, under a different name. And and, uh, and Alexander, I came to know more recently, uh, but watched footage and film of his matches. And, and you know, when Neil approached me, he said, I, I'd really be interested in carrying on the Koloff legacy. Well, for those who don't know, if you go back and do a little research, you'll find the very first Koloff back in the 1930s. Oh, it was a guy named Dan Koloff, wrestled as okay. Dan Koloff from Bulgaria. Okay. And and he was quite a he was quite a story, quite an athlete. And in fact, there's been movies done on his life. And so Dan Koloff, he was in the 30s. Along along comes Ivan Koloff in the 60s. Along comes Nikita Koloff in the 80s. And I just thought it befitting that, you know, in, in this current decade, you know, for, for Koloff Dynasty to be christened and carry on the Koloff legacy. And I made these guys prove themselves before I did it and wanted to make sure that they were worthy of carrying on the Koloff name. And I feel they are. Are we going to see them uh, in NWA again anytime soon or another promotion maybe? You know, you, you, you never know. I mean, there could be there's some great potential storylines out there. Obviously, with my relationship with Dusty Rhodes as the superpowers, you know, there's their son, Cody, AEW, or or even my relationship, you know, some appearances I made on TNA when it was first launched. Again, you know, centered around Dusty. Um, the NWA, with, with having been the TV champion, the U.S. champion, the tag team champion, there's a lot of history there, so I don't know. We'll we'll see. Well, I don't. I would. I wouldn't let the cat out of the bag, even okay. if, even if there was. A, okay. Okay. I got you. Never know. Okay. Stay fair tuned. Enough. Stay tuned. Fair enough. That's good enough for me. So let's let's switch gears. You have um, had a number of matches in Japan. Uh, you team with Terry Gordy, uh, which I thought was an interesting team. Tell me a little bit about uh, the team with Terry Gordy, and and you must have a great or a couple of great Terry Gordy stories. Well, the, the, the one Terry Gordy, Terry Gordy story I have, I, I don't know I qualify or classify it as great, but okay, okay. <laughs> I, I was actually kind of put, I guess you might say, in charge of, for lack of better terms, babysitting Terry Gordy. And what I mean by that is Terry was not, he was a great worker in the ring. Uh, I mean, he worked his tail off. Um, but he also uh, was, uh, how would I say it? He was also uh, outside of the ring. He was pretty flamboyant. How about I say it that way? Okay. And right. there was a particular night in Japan where, where he wanted to go out after the matches. 
And, and, and I wasn't, I was never a real partier guy. I just never was. I mean, that doesn't mean I didn't go out with the guys and fraternize with the guys from time to time. But on this particular night, uh, Terry had had a, 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 a few, a few too many. And, um, and he would, uh, he, he, what would ensue is he, he started, uh, um, doing some damage to, to the, to the club we were in okay. and, and it wasn't going well. It, it was, it was headed in the wrong direction. And I ended up pulling him out. I, I, there were sirens coming. I'm like, dude, we, we have got your, we're leaving and got back to the hotel and that, seven o'clock the next morning I had a rap on my door and I'm like, I know who that is and I'm not answering it. It was the, it was the Japanese, uh, you know, it, it, it was the we were you know we were in Tokyo yeah uh, or in Japan and it was the it was the the, the guys in charge and and I'm gonna, I am not answering that well when I got to the building they had a conversation with me and they were not happy <laughs> Terry had done quite a bit of damage to the club wanted me to pay for half of it and I'm like it ain't happening I, I'm not uh, I didn't do any of the damage you know but you were with them. I like, yeah, unfortunately for you, I got him out of there or he would have yeah. done more damage, wow. you know. Uh, but they weren't happy about 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 me not being willing to pay for half of the damages. But I said, look, I'm I'm sorry, but I'm just not doing that. I'm not paying for something I didn't do. That's my one Terry Ter <laughs> Gordy story. Not real flattering, uh, but I'll end by saying he was a great worker in the ring, yeah. but he also liked to uh, live the high life outside of the ring. Okay, how did you enjoy your time in Japan? <clears throat> did you, um, when you first got there, was it like a culture shock to you, or or how did you enjoy your time there? Yeah, it was it was different. I mean, the the fans are completely different. You know, in America, you got them cheering and booing and 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 all that. You you feed off of that, right? Whether you're a good guy, bad guy, over there in those days, I mean, they it was weird at first. It was like a culture shock at first because. Like, they just sit and watch the match. You do all these big moves. And what they might do is applaud, like, a big move. Like, hey, like oh, it's good. And you're like, okay. and it didn't matter whether you're a good guy or a bad guy. They would just applaud every move yeah. they liked. And I'm like, yeah, oh, that's kind of weird. But you got used to it. But I'm I'm grateful I had the opportunities to tour in Japan. It was really, I mean, they were first class, took great care of you. I mean, they treated you like, like, you know, you were the king of the country. I mean, it, it was amazing. All right, man. So, in your opinion, who was the big, biggest star of the 80s, Ric Flair or Hulk Hogan? Your uh, opinion. Well, I mean, uh, I mean, Terry, no offense, but uh, uh, I think Rick, I say it over and over and over again. Rick could work with anybody, anywhere, at any time, no matter their skill level, and make them look good. He made the Russian nightmare look good. And, and I wasn't the, the most skilled guy in the ring, but, but Rick made me look good. It didn't matter your skill level. Rick could go in the ring and, and have a 60-minute match with somebody who, yeah. who had very limited skills. And for that reason... I'd have to give the nod to the nature boy as far as being the consummate professional. 
Yep, I, I would have to agree with you on that one. Uh, do you wish you had a run uh, with the NWA title? I know you had so many other titles, but you never had the NWA World Championship. Do you wish you had at least one run with the title? No, no regrets. And in fact, Rick offered it to me two times. I turned it down both times. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, why, may I ask why you turned it down? You know, I just didn't really, honestly, just didn't, didn't have an interest for it. Now, the, the, very, the very first time he asked me, it was uh, shortly after, for those who, your audience, and maybe isn't aware, you know, I had a wife pass away of cancer at age 26, and I had okay. left wrestling for a while to take care of her, okay. and, and so his first offer was not very long after her passing, and, uh, you know, and I was just like, you know, I'm still probably what you might say in a, in a process of grieving her loss. Okay. And and I was certainly flattered at the offer and the opportunity, um, but just uh, just said you know th thank you, but you know but but no thank you. And, and the same uh, with the with the second offer as well. I just I just didn't you know I didn't necessarily feel I needed it, um, nor do I look back with any regrets by not having it. Okay, fair enough. And I know you wrestled for the AWA title as well. You wrestled Larry Zabisco. Uh, explain your, your time in um, AWA and how would you compare it to the NWA and what was it like working for Vern Gagne? And, and so I wasn't, you know, I wasn't under contract with Anya or anything of that nature. The AWA and the NWA were working, doing co promotions together. And uh, I think. Pro USA is what they called the shows or something like that. And so it was more like, if you want to say I was on loan to the AWA more than working for Vern Gagne. You know, we were, uh, we were, we were trying to help them out in terms of, you know, Vern was kind of on the latter part of, yeah. uh, of holding on to his territory. And so, we were just uh, trying to come in and inject some life. And so my matches against Sabisco wasn't so much I was, again, looking at winning their world title as much as helping with their TV ratings, helping them draw some crowds in, in their house shows. And uh, but Vern was an interesting guy to work for. That's for sure. He was a, he was a different different breed. Um, and uh, not not in a bad way. He was, he was just different. All right, Larry Zabisco. How would you compare Larry Zabisco to, to Ric Flair in terms of world championship matches? <laughs> well, Larry was Larry was a character when he when uh, what, what was this uh, a living legend? Is uh, that the new know? living legend? Yeah, we, yeah. We used to say, yeah, Larry, you're a living legend in your own mind. <laughs> but outside of that, um, no, no, Larry. I thought Larry was a great guy. Um, Again, I, I, I wouldn't put him uh, ahead of Flair. Okay. I mean, Larry had a knack. He had a great knack for cutting, cutting great promos, and which is, which is what it takes for a world champion. Got to be able to talk in a microphone as well as perform in the ring. And, and, and Larry was a good ring performer. He, he was. Uh, but I, I still have to give Ric Flair the nod. I remember, I remember one of the first things I ever saw in professional wrestling when I was a kid, Larry Zabisco turning on Bruno Sammartino. So uh, Larry Zabisco, I, I um, have a dislike for Larry Zabisco for what he did to my man Bruno back then. But but uh, I, I hope you hit him with well, a couple of Russian sickles. You must have a dislike for, um, 
Hey, you must have a dislike for Uncle Ivan too, having defeated Bruno yeah, after like well, what, I, seven I was or only, eight years I, or something like that. I don't remember. I was only two when that happened, so I didn't actually get to see it. But uh, if I was around back then, ah. yes, I would have had a, I would have had a dislike for Uncle Ivan as well. <laughs> now I didn't you know that, had a distaste for Uncle Ivan. Well, and yeah. I think if I'm not mistaken, I, I don't quote me. Uh, I think Zabisco, like San Martino, was a Pittsburgh guy. If I'm, yeah, I think that's I'm correct. Not. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so one Pittsburgh guy turns on another, right? Yeah. There you go. And another one of my heroes growing up, Bob Backlund. I didn't know you had a match with Bob Backlund in 1985. Do you remember that match with Backlund? Oh gosh, how how do how how do you forget a match against Bob Backlund? Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, tell me about the yeah. match. I had no idea. I just found out right before this interview that uh, when I was doing some research that you had a match with them. And so uh, tell me about the match, man. What do you remember about it? Well, what's what's and what's funny is is um, I mean, there's a bunch of matches that tell the fans remind me of them. I, I don't even realize, you know, like I, I mean, I, I I didn't remember having matches against Diamond Dallas Page, you know. I, I did against Cat. I do remember Cactus Jack, you know, Stone Cold, and you know a, a bunch of those guys. So it's my one and only match against Bob Backlund <laughs> in, in at in Altoona, Pennsylvania, at the okay. Jaffa Mott. Okay. So that's how much I remember it. I remember exactly where it was, and I, I'll just I'll, what I'll never forget. The most memorable memorable part about the match is. Um, and I had heard a little bit about his career. I mean, you know, really, in my view, a legendary career that Bob Backlund had and, and an amazing amateur career from what I understand. And, and so on that particular night, we're at the Jaffa Mosque. Of course, obviously, I'm in the ring first. Ivan's out there with me. And I don't even know. I don't know if he brought it or he found it or what. But when he comes out to the ring, he's got an army helmet on. Obviously playing off of the whole <laughs> Russia thing, right? And, and dude, it was I, I, I'm I'm in I'm trying to stay in character with the you know the mean grimacing look on yeah, my face, yeah. and it was everything I could do to to maintain my composure and not just bust out laughing because he looked like Howdy Doody meets the U.S. Army. <laughs> I, I mean, he comes out in that hill. And, oh my gosh, he. He literally, to me, he looked like, that's what he looked like, like Howdy Doody with an army helmet. Oh, my God. And, <laughs> and so uh, the match itself, I don't remember a whole lot about it other than he did a lot of amateur moves on me. And I don't even remember. I, I'm pretty sure I went over. Uh, I'm, I'm almost positive I won the match that night. So I, I'm 1-0 against the legendary Bob Acton, I believe. Uh, I, I do have to say I, I did see the results and he did win by disqualification. Oh, he did. He okay. back and won by disqualification. Yeah. Well, th there, there you go. I, I must have threw him over the top rope. Or yeah, something. that's that's probably what I. Or maybe you hit him with the helmet and it got disqualified. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that that could be. That's possible. All right, man. Uh, two names, two names. Maybe give me your thoughts because I know you had a number of matches with both of them: Eddie Gilbert, Terry Taylor. Eddie Gilbert, he Eddie Gilbert was a character. Uh, let me just start with that. But a good little ring worker, though. Like for real, he, he had a good psychology for the for the ring for the business. And uh, 
you know, different different style, you know, the, to match up with with the Russian nightmare. Um, but from what I recall and remember, I feel like we you know, we had good matches. My goal, no matter who I was working with, when I went in the ring, my goal was to have a good match and give the fans their money's worth. That was my goal. And so, you know, whether it was it was Eddie Gilbert, Terry Taylor, or anybody else, Terry. Um, Starcade 87 unification match, world TV title, UWF versus NWA. I walked away with both. By many of the fans' accounts, they thought that was, a, a you know, just a, a great match. And, and I do, too. I felt like Terry and I had a great match together. I, I would say I feel Terry was uh, very, a very underrated wrestler. I, I don't think he got a, enough credit, as much credit as he should have got. Uh, in inside inside the squared circle. Okay, now when you turn babyface, Ivan was given another Russian, Vladimir Pietrov. What were your thoughts on Vladimir Pietrov, and why do you think he didn't have the success as Nikita Koloff did? One, he was a, he was a dangerous man. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <He> was, <laughs> in many ways, he was a dangerous man. Um. Uh, I don't know how much training he had. Uh, now, granted, I broke in with no training. Um, I, I believe he had some training. I don't know how much he had. Uh, but he just, you know, there's a word that comes to mind, that word intangible. Uh, don't even know how to describe it other than to say it seemed like there was just an element missing uh, with, with, with Vladimir. He just didn't seem to have that intangible that would put him over the top to, to main event status and therefore uh, I believe that's part of the reason his, his career was was very short-lived and he wasn't um, the most personable guy I mean okay I, I don't know how to describe it yeah he just uh, outside of the ring even um, it just really kept to himself okay. kind of very very quiet at that's, uh, you know, that's from what, just how much I remember. Okay, just for the record, your Russian sickle was a lot better looking than his Russian sickle. I just wanted to get that, put that out there for you. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like I did an interview recently, and I said, hey, there's a lot of clotheslines, but there's only, only one, one Russian sickle. Only one Russian sickle. And like only I said earlier, one, that's right. Like we said earlier, I hope right. there's one more left in you, and I hope we see it one more time. Hope we see it one more time. Uh, so in terms of your favorite Never opponent, know. Never know. Got my fingers crossed. As long as it's not me. As long as it's not me, that's that's fine. Uh, in terms of your favorite opponents, uh, where is Sting on that list? The Stinger. He ranks. He ranks up there at the top. I mean, we had, you know, we had some. Uh, of course, the most memorable for me that kind of are, are the Russian chain matches, um, and uh, those probably stick out in my mind more more than any, but. Again, I felt we had good chemistry. I, I felt yeah. we were able to, uh, you know, perform well in the ring against each other for the fans, uh, as well as later on, uh, you know, together on the same side, uh, Sting Squadron and some of the other things we did together. Yeah, I remember those matches. They were tremendous, tremendous matches, you and Sting. I remember them well. I really enjoyed those matches, man. I think there was one match where you dominated him for much of the match, and he kind of sneaked down a victory over you. Uh, I think it was a clash of the champions or something, but you guys had a great feud. Uh, so um, that, that was an awesome feud. Uh, so let's, yes, 
let's switch gears away from professional wrestling. Uh, so you've devoted your life to Jesus Christ. So what led to you committing your life uh, to Jesus? I'm curious about uh, what led you to that. Yeah, I think it's interesting for, for a lot. You know, I, I just say a lot of athletes, certainly a number of the wrestlers, right, uh, uh, including myself, uh, some of the names for, for your audience that they might recognize, Shawn Michaels, yep. Lex Luger, Uncle Ivan, Uncle Ivan, uh, Road Warrior Hawk. Um, I mean, I can just, you know, go down down the list of, of a number of guys who sting, mentioned sting, who reached the pinnacle of success, including myself, uh, and drew the same conclusion. And and the, the, the conclusion is, it's got to be more to life than, than just this. It can't all be about chasing all the bling bling and the baubles and trinkets and and chasing the money. And it's got to be something more to life. And so for me personally, that said, when I walked away from wrestling in November of 1992, I went on this, uh, you, you might say, on this quest, 11-month quest, uh, realizing I've been successful as a world champion, professional wrestler, and, and achieved a certain level of fame. But I, but I, I wasn't happy inside. I was, I was not fulfilled. I'm like, there's got to be something else. And through some, uh, you know, I was invested in some other business ventures, met a Christian couple, and invited me to the church. And, and just like I, I, I didn't grow up in Russia, I also didn't grow up in church. Um, but I knew the story. I mean, I'd heard the story more than once about how this man, Jesus, sacrificed his life on a cross for our sins and, and died and rose again and was alive and well today. I, I knew the story. The story just didn't ma had never made the 18-inch trip from my head down to my heart. And so through business, met this Christian couple, invited me to their church, and it was just a divine appointment for me. You know, I called them up uh, one, one, one week, and I just said, hey, I'll be in church on Sunday, and they met me there. And that was just a divine encounter. It was my aha moment as I sat in that service and, and an invitation was given at the end. Uh, anyone that wanted to surrender their life to Jesus. And, and I knew that I knew I had never done that. And I was the first one to the altar on my knees, uh, 17 October, 1993, surrendering my heart and my life to Christ. And, and I encountered Jesus that day and life has never been the same since that encounter. Wow. And I, I want to thank you for helping me because I know I'm on my journey as well. And, and you've given me advice and you've helped me out. You've guided me and I really appreciate it. I just want to say thank you very much for that, Nikita. No, absolutely. I mean, it, look, it's, it's a journey. I'll say this to, 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 to your audience. It's a journey. Uh, life's a journey. And, and, from the moment you make that decision, uh, it puts you on a different path, and it doesn't make it doesn't make any of us perfect. You know, we're we're all broken, every one of us. We're all broken. We're all flawed. You know, that's that's the reality. There are no perfect people. That's the reality. And even once you surrender your life to Jesus, that the reality is we're, we're still broken. But then we're on a different path. Uh, lead, leading to, you know, leading one day to the kingdom of heaven, right? 
Uh, and, and it's, it's from the moment of salvation, it then shifts and changes into a word called sanctification, which means now it's the Lord working on our heart and, and the renewing of our mind to, to take more and more and more the likeness of, of Jesus Christ on to look more like him every day. And that's a daily walk. That's not something that's automatic for any of us. That's something that you have to put that effort in each and every day. And, and how I do that, my friend, I do that by, by reading my Bible every day. I've developed a prayer life with the God of the universe every day. Uh, I listen to worship every day. And that's what helps, helps in that process of transformation uh, and looking more like Jesus every day. And it's, a, and it's a discipline. It's a discipline and it's a habit that I have developed over 28 years. And I'm continually, every day, I'm intentional to do that every day, to make sure I spend time uh, developing my relationship with Jesus. And that's what, that's, that's the, been the key to my success and my journey with him. Now you're wearing the shirt, Man Camp. Um, I know about Man Camp. Why don't you explain a little bit about what Man Camp is? And I know you're uh, collaborating with Lex Luger on that. So would you tell us a little bit about Man Camp? I, I, I am. I am. Yeah. And I, I appreciate that. I mean, God has put in my heart. God has given me a real heart for men and, and to minister to men. And so since 2006, when I went to my own camp and, and, and God just really just met me in a special way and, and just uh, further enhanced my walk and my journey with him, uh, what he put in my heart was men and, and really uh, helping to equip men to be godly men, godly husbands, godly fathers. And so over the course of years of, of doing a lot of men's ministry, and Lex Luger and I doing a lot of ministry together. In 2015, he and I, uh, he lived with me for about 10 months in 2015. Out of that, uh, birthed uh, this, these camps and conferences. Now, the conference is a one-day conference. We, uh, I, I do those solo uh, in local churches, local communities. It's just called Man Up Conference. Man Up Conference. And, and that's really kind of an appetizer to the full-blown man camp. And the man camp is a five-day catalyst. Men come in from all over the country. Back then, I just recently did one. We had guys from about nine or ten different states come together. And again, our goal is to equip men to send them back home uh, with all the tools they need uh, to, to be that, that man I just mentioned. A godly man, a godly husband, and a godly father and and so we we do these one in the spring one in the fall currently in in a little town called royston georgia um they're they're typically for many men they're life-changing in fact i'll tell you one quick real real quick story from the last camp we just did we had a man there uh from austell georgia okay. 45 years old who who surrendered his life to jesus at the camp now, here's the powerful part about that story. By his own admission, he grew up in church. He went to all the, all the kids' camps, all the youth camps, grew up in church, but had never surrendered his life to Jesus. 
But at this last man camp, he made the decision to do that. And in a, I'm telling you, in an instant, this man changed. I mean, his countenance changed. His whole, he, he didn't stop grinning the rest of the week. I mean, he was smiling from ear to ear. And, and I have since talked to him. And, and uh, it's just his, his family just doesn't know what to think. They're like, oh, my gosh, we got a different husband. I got a different husband. We got a different dad. Um, and so that's just one of the stories on why men want to consider coming to, to man camp. And they can find out more about that if they just go on koloff.net on my website. Uh, they can link to that and, and, okay. and find out more about me. Okay. Before we wrap this up, is there anything else you want to plug? Um, maybe merchandise or anything? If anything you want to plug, social media, websites, now's the time, my friend. Well, I, I appreciate it. Yeah, check me out on social media. You'll find me. In fact, if you go to koloff.net, you can link and click to all the social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. It's all right there on, on my website. Uh, you can check out the man camp. You can also check out, uh, what I, I launched a, a brand new uh, weekly radio show on Truth Radio Network with Stu Epperson, oh, yeah. uh, on, on the currently on the East Coast, but also a podcast called The Man Up podcast and you can link to that again right through my website go subscribe download subscribe uh leave a review there's some great interviews on there with uh, lex luger two-part interview with sting magnum ta i've got some other great interviews jackson Riker, who's on uh, monday night raw wwe got some great interviews on there that i think you'll enjoy men and women alike will enjoy and uh i just appreciate you Appreciate you having me on, man. And always uh, always an honor and a privilege to, to be with you. Oh, man, that, that means so much to me. Thank you so much, Nikita. It's uh, actually my honor, my privilege to have you on my show. And again, I want to thank you for all the memories. I want to thank you for all the advice you've been giving me. And uh, I'm sure we'll be exchanging messages back and forth. I have a lot to ask you about uh, Jesus and everything. Uh, so I'm sure we'll be talking again soon. But thank you so much for coming on. And anytime you want to come back, you're always welcome, my friend. All right. Well, God bless you, all your listeners out there, and appreciate you as well. You have a wonderful night. You too. Take care, my friend. Okay, thank this you. has been the Alliance Pro Wrestling Network Sunday special interview. Again, want to thank my guest, the Russian nightmare, Nikita Koloff. Until next time, thank you very much. Take care. Bye-bye. Stay, stay safe, everyone. So long. Bye-bye.